a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. We are monitoring a soon-to-be-delivered speech by President Joe Biden. He's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania today. Of course, uh, there was a bridge collapse there that we've been covering all morning. And uh, we will continue to follow that. He is going to talk about infrastructure. So an interesting backdrop. Uh, We'll follow that and uh, give any breaking news to you as we roll through the afternoon. The Senate, of course, has been known recently for a lot of partisanship, a lot of bickering. But amazingly, a group of senators is coming together to come up with a bill that would actually help support Ukraine and put sanctions on Russia if President Putin starts uh, an incursion or crosses over the border. And we wanted to dig deeper into this. So we went to our friends at Politico. Andrew uh, Desiderio uh, from Politico joined us. Andrew Desiderio from Politico joins us on the line now. Andrew, thanks for joining us on a Friday. Uh, You cover the United States Senate and security and foreign policy, uh, specifically for Politico. And uh, you had a great piece uh, focusing on something that uh, the Senate actually can seem to agree on or a, f- a possible filibuster-proof uh, piece of legislation coming down the pike, and it uh, has to do with what's happening in Ukraine and with Russia. Tell us about that. Yeah, so senators really want to show a united front on this issue. The main concern that they've had from the perspective of lawmakers is the fact that they've been projecting too much division to the world about how the U.S. will handle this idea, this potential of a Russian invasion of Ukraine. And what we reported yesterday was that they are starting to come together on a comprehensive piece of legislation that would impose sanctions, that would give Ukraine additional lethal military aid, as well as uh, create uh, a new Lend-Lease program. Uh, You'll recall this hasn't been used since World War II, but it would essentially allow the U.S. to give Ukraine a bunch of supplies, including military equipment, at no cost and they would just have to repay the U.S. government at a later date. So that would be a pretty unprecedented move, but it's something that is being discussed uh, as part of this bipartisan group right now. Yeah, and so let's let's break down that bipartisan group and where some of the uh, points are in terms of agreement. I know there's some on the Democratic side who have kind of a framework in place. You've got some Republicans who want to go a little further on some things, a little less on others. Uh, what's the what's the shaping of the the legislation looking like? As you mentioned, the key disagreement right now between Democrats and Republicans is uh, when to impose sanctions, right? Republicans want to impose sanctions right away and then ramp them up if necessary. In other words, if Putin does actually move into Ukraine. But what Democrats want to do, and this is the, the, the posture that the Biden administration has taken as well, is to specify to Russia which sanctions would be triggered if they do invade Ukraine so that they know what the price is of that. And so, you know, the divergent approaches there have been on full display for a while now. 
And the goal here is to sort of um, merge those two positions and, and rectify those disagreements so that you can maybe have some immediate sanctions authorities for the president and then on the back end of a possible Russian invasion, impose some more crippling sanctions targeting financial institutions in Russia, key, key sectors like energy, things like that that are really important to the Russian economy. Right. So they're really using the baseline bill from uh, Senator Menendez, uh, of course, who's part of that Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He's the chair of that. Uh, And of course, as in all things in the Senate, you have to have the right name and title to the bill. Uh, So it is the the mother of all sanctions legislation, I think, from from Senator Menendez. Uh, You pointed pointed out uh, that there's a big focus on this in terms of financial institutions uh, as well as the energy sector. Any specifics there that you can point to or anything there – trying to target uh, in terms of the financial institutions? Well, what they want to do is freeze the assets of some key Russian banks and other financial institutions, which would obviously have many ripple effects in the global, in the global economy. But the goal of that would be to basically cut off Russia from global markets, global financial markets. That is um, another possibility is kicking Russia out of what's called the SWIFT banking system, which is a global system that's used by almost every country in the world for payments and transactions and things like that. Kicking them out of SWIFT would be, a, again, an unprecedented move, and it would really uh, strangle the Russian economy. And those are the types of things that are under discussion right now in terms of what the administration is saying would entail these, these crippling sanctions. Uh, one of the things that you have uh, mentioned in your piece in Politico uh, is that uh, as you look at the bipartisan, it's, it's one thing to have a, a few senators from across the aisle moving along, and that can make things interesting. Uh, but this one in particular uh, has some uh, some some bigger heft to it, I think, in terms of some of the leadership from the Republican side of the aisle, uh, including John Cornyn, uh, part of the leadership team there with Mitch McConnell, uh, being part of all of these discussions and moving on. Uh, what does this do in terms of momentum and uh, and progress in terms of the bill? Well, it's very important, as you know, when you have a a piece of legislation as consequential as this, to have senators represented from all across the political spectrum. And that's what you have in this group of eight. So if if you're on the side of, hey, we need to get something done, we need to put a piece of legislation on the floor that can get at least 60 votes, this is the type of group that you would want to hammer out legislation in that respect. Senator Cornyn, uh, as you mentioned, is one of them. He's the leader on that legislation that I mentioned before to set up a lend-lease program with Ukraine. Another senator on in that group is Senator Chris Murphy, who's been very capable in the sanctions aspect of this, not necessarily on the same side as Senator Corden on that, but that's why it's important to have those differing perspectives as part of this bipartisan gang. And you really do have every sort of point of view in this debate represented. So that at least bodes well for the possibility of coming together on a on a final product that could get 60 votes in the Senate. Yeah, and then and then from there, what's the perspective? I know the uh, the administration has been a little cagey in terms of exactly what they want or, or what uh, they want to do moving forward in terms of the sanctions against Vladimir Putin and Russia. Uh, how's the White House taking? What's the chatter you hear back there in terms of how they're perceiving uh, what the Senate is crafting? Well, the White House has not said much about this legislation that's coming together. They have formally endorsed Senator Menendez's plan. So we can expect that as long as it's got similar contours to that, they will get behind it as well. Of course, the House also has to pass it too before it gets to President Biden's desk. So there's that factor as well. But Senator Schumer is supporting these negotiations. He's vowing to put something on the floor as well. 
And I can guarantee you that Senator Schumer would not put something on the Senate floor that did not have the support of President Biden and his administration. So that's a a good indicator right there. But we'll have to see once they actually put this together and release something. And they're on target to do that, they say, by early next week. Okay. And then uh, final question for you, Andrew, Uh, as you look at that, what should we be watching for uh, as we go over the weekend? And as you said, as we get into early next week, as that gets uh, more formalized in terms of language uh, and then actually gets to the possibly to the floor of the Senate. Right. So the goal is to get something done as expeditiously as possible. The Senate does have a pretty packed week next week. They're on recess this week and then they're they're coming back to Washington on Monday. Uh, so I think it's unlikely that they would vote on anything next week. But again, the goal is in terms of what what this bipartisan gang wants to do to release some sort of consensus legislative text sometime early next week. My, my suspicion is that might slip to later in the week, but, you know, we'll see if they can they can come together on something sooner. Oh, OK. And, and one last thing. Uh, this is my second last thing, but I'm taking a second last thing on this one. Do you uh, from <laughs> from your sources back there, Andrew, uh, what do you know or what do you hear in terms of how this might change? Uh, obviously, as things ramp up uh, actually on the ground uh, in Ukraine and on the border there, uh, do they have any sort of fast track mechanism or is anyone's talking about, hey, what if uh, what if Vladimir Putin decides to move into Ukraine over the weekend? You know, how do we accelerate this or how do we change any dynamic or conversations about that? Yeah, I think what would what would happen if that were the case would be that they would fast track some sort of legislation centering around immediate military aid because the president would need some sort of uh, authorization from Congress in order to send more military aid that's not already appropriated by Congress. So I imagine the contours of the legislation would change and and it would focus more on the military assistance aspect of that because that would be sort of the uh, the more immediate need. Um, and, you know, they want to give President Biden the flexibility, of course, to do that. Fantastic. Andrew Desiderio from Politico. I appreciate you spending some time with us on a Friday. Great insight into possible sanctions uh, coming against Vladimir Putin and Russia. Uh, Some bipartisan agreement, uh, some good work being done there. And that's uh, what we should always do uh, when it comes to national security issues. Andrew, thanks again for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So as we look at those uh, big issues there, there's two things we found where there is some bipartisanship going on. We've seen red and blue states across the country looking at reducing taxes, cutting taxes at the state level. And uh, now we have members of the United States Senate coming together uh, around sanctions against Vladimir Putin and Russia. And we'll continue to monitor and watch that. There was a fascinating press conference today as well from Secretary Austin. We'll dive into that briefing a little bit in hour number two. We're going to go ahead and step aside for a bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, we'll talk to someone who's interested in being part of all those negotiations. Kel Weston announced his candidacy for the United States Senate as a Democrat yesterday. We'll talk about his platform, his background. Coming up next, stay with us on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.